Good morning. Man, it is a great day to be together as we uh, celebrate uh, what many believers would call Holy Week. And we look at um, Palm Sunday um, and the death of Christ. There's going to be lots of celebration. Um, before I do that, I want to pray before we actually get to the, to the scripture. We have a special guest in the house. Clinton, come on up, buddy. Come on up. Yeah, he know who I have the power because I have the mic right now. Uh, Clint is here till Tuesday, which I'm excited about. It's kind of bittersweet because in nine days I get to see him in Ecuador. And it kind of, it, I'm excited he's here, but I had a moment. There was a vision. There was a dream. I was going to see him in the airport as he picked us up, and I was going to run to him <laughs> as I pushed his parents out of the way and said, Clint, it's okay. I'm here. But I get to do this now, and, and just pray for him. He's he's here just you know just uh, for this week. Had some family stuff to do. Officiate a funeral, a funeral of his his great uh, aunt, aunt. Uh, and so we just want to pray for him, and God's hand would be on uh, him and Armani and his family, uh, and Maggie uh, as they do great work. And I like to embarrass him. So let's just pray, uh, Father Lord God. We just thank you for friendship, God. We thank you for uh, the community of Christ that is sacred and beautiful. God, we lift up uh, Clinton, Maggie, and the kids to you, God, just thankful that, that we love them, and God, that you love them even more, and that you have a plan for them in Ecuador, and that you are producing fruit. God, we thank you, the testimonies that we are that we are hearing and what you're doing, and that your, um, your word, it will not come back void. God, that's that a proclamation of Isaiah 55. As we plant the seeds of the gospel, the fruit of the gospel will come out. And so we just lift Clint up to you, and just thank you that he's here today with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. He told me I can still do that in the airport. I can push his mom. I've got a yes, yes. Yeah, so as, as we uh, prepare this week um, and Holy Week, this is all the things that Jesus goes through to like today. We'll look at scripture in, in, in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, where they are going, Hosanna, Hosanna, which is uh, save us now, save us now. And then in a, by Friday, they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. And we're going to look at all those things. One of the things I love about spring, and let me raise your hand if you love springtime. Okay, my allergies don't love springtime, but the rest of me loves springtime. There's beautiful things. And I love this quote by Martin Luther. Um, says, our Lord has written the promise of resurrection, not in books alone, but in every leaf of springtime. Where God is just, I mean, God is not silent about the good stuff he's doing. Right? We have the word of God, but through all creation we see God giving us the gospel. In the wintertime things die, but in the springtime they come to life again. Amen. So look with me, we're going to be in, in Matthew 21, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 15. You can look in your own Bibles, or you can read with me up on the screen. Matthew 21, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. 
Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. Verse 7. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Verse 12. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Let us pray again. Father God, um, as we just look into your word, would you open our eyes and our hearts and our mind to all that you have for us? For you are the great I am. You always have been. You always will be. You're the Alpha and the Omega. Lord, would we just stand in awe in your presence today at your wonderful word and your plan of redemption. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. So if we look what's happening here in the time of Jesus, um, he's, healings are happening. In fact, this is not too long after he has raised Lazarus from the dead. At this point, Jesus is a big deal. It's also coming to the time of his appointed time that he will be sacrificed for us. This is a joyous time. And what we would call this week, this, in, the, in the Christian circles, we call this Holy Week because it's just a time to really just take all of it in. And on Friday, we will have what we call the Good Friday service, which is a really, a, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's a strange thing to call it Good Friday because someone dies. And it's Good Friday, and we encourage you to come to that and just worship our King. It's a good thing because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. That through him, the, all those that believe who he is, what he is, and what he did, and that he rose again, would have a life, an eternal life that we'd have forgiveness. Today, we're looking at Jesus as he's going into Jerusalem, and he's going in as the conquering king. He is going also as the humble king. And this is to fulfill Scripture. We see this in Zechariah 9.9. When it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. 
And in this day and time, when a conquering king would come into a city after they've conquered some other civilization, they would usually come, um, and usually on a, a on a white stallion, a white horse, to show uh, this their strength. And everybody would would see Caesar would come and do that. This was a part of their day and time. Well, Jesus is coming in. This was prophesied um, many, many hundreds of years before this time that the Messiah, the King, everything's about the Messiah. When the Messiah is here, he'll explain everything to us. When the Messiah is here, we'll be back on top. Remember, God's people are in judgment, and they're actually in slavery over the Roman Empire. And so they are waiting for this Messiah to come. Jesus comes to fulfill Scripture, and he's on a donkey. And when we look at this, this is the humble king. Right, in this kingdom, the first will be last, the last will be first. The least is the greatest, and the greatest is the least. God comes in ways that we don't always understand. We talk about that a lot. We believe in the Word of God. This great God, this great King, He's not like us, is He? We sang earlier, He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the great I Am, right? When, when God introduced Himself to Moses, He says, well, you know, what's your name? He says, I am I, I don't get this. I am because of my parents. My parents are because of their parents. Only God can say, I am that I am. There's no one like our God. And it's important that we dive into the word of God. See, God believes so much in the word of God that he fulfills every amount of prophecy and scripture. First of all, that's so God's people would know who he was. As they memorized and they knew the old Testament text. But it's also for us to know that God always keeps his promises and his word. When God says something, when God, when God has us write something down about him, he means every bit of it. He's unlike us. And so when Jesus is coming in this humble way, and it's about a two-mile stretch, and people are just saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, you know, King David, King David. They're recognizing he's the Messiah because he's literally fulfilling Scripture. But he's also coming in a way that some don't completely understand. Is he coming on a war horse? So why is he coming on a donkey? And that's to fulfill Scripture, but also this king... And this entrance into the world, he has a mission. And it's one of judgment and mercy. The Word of God. The whole Bible is about God. He is loving. He is kind. He is gentle. He is slow to anger. Jesus is also the God of the Old Testament. And if we see the God of the Old Testament... He's really serious about sin. As you look at the Bible and just the importance of it. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We always want, as believers, like we study the Word of God together, and we encourage you to continue to study and meditate on the Word of God, even when you don't understand it. 
Last week I talked about this as, you know, love letters. I think of the love letters that Jessica and I uh, gave one another um, as we were engaged and dating. And I guess you know what I'm talking about. Again, I kind of joked about this last week. There was a time when people had letters and notes. You write things down. Right? Maybe, maybe now, maybe it would be a Snapchat or a, a Facebook message. I don't do any of that stuff very well. Right? But, like, you're just, like, if it's someone that you love, someone you care about, you care about their word, right? Like, you will read. Anybody ever give you something, a message that you love and you don't really understand it? Did you just read it and go, I don't get what they said? I don't care. No, you're like, man, I need an interpretation for this. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. Right? Right? That is the word of God. Sometimes we get it. Like, sometimes you're like, oh, man, this makes so much sense. Other times you're like, I don't know if I get it. Like, we need to continue to go back to the Word of God and meditate on it. How do you meditate on it? You continue to read it. And you continue to read it again. And maybe one word you look at and you think about it, Lord, what are you saying through your Word? According to Hebrews 4.12, it is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. What God is saying is this is a supernatural Word. And all believers of all time have believed in God's word. That God used men and women as a vessel to pour out into to write the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it's important, right? Like moments like this, we look, and we look at Jesus coming in as this humble king. And why is it important? Like the word of God, he's fulfilling it. That's why, that's why the, the, the normal people are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, only the Messiah could do this. Other people have come, false messiahs had come before, but they never walked in the power and the authority of Jesus. But they're still missing it. Because today they're going to say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But in a few days they're going to say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. But what's beautiful, it's all according to God's written word. The Messiah is in plain sight, and the people see who Jesus is, but the religious leaders don't, the experts. So for even those of us that would say, I'm kind of a theologian, I'm kind of a Bible nerd. Any Bible nerds out there? Right? You know who the Bible nerds were? The ones that didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. It's not just about study. There's a sacredness, and we would call that sacredness the Holy Spirit. God, change my heart as I read your word. Because you can know the word of God in such a way that you can manipulate it to say what you want it to say. It's one, it's one thing to misunderstand scripture or debate over secondary theology, which we do that. That's good. That's just part of us being human. But it's a whole other thing to clearly change the word of God because we just don't like what it says. Jesus was in plain sight, but they didn't see him. And how often is that us? Now in verses 7 through 11, we want to look at the fact that they go from save us, Hosanna, 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 on Sunday, but on Friday, crucify him. 
So Jesus is a big deal. He's hanging out with Lazarus. This is the guy that was raised from the dead. I don't know about you, but if one of you passed and then you were raised from the dead, you'd probably be a big deal in my book. Right? Right? We see this in John 12, 9 through 11. It says, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Again, these Pharisees, we look at Pharisees and we go, oh, man, what, what fools, what terrible guys. No, it's, it's what we do when we, when we study the Word of God, but we don't do it with the Spirit of God and the love of God. We actually will start to see God and his ways as so foreign to us that now it's the enemy to us. Like, think about this as Jesus is going into the city and it's Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now. But he knows their hearts. Soon they will say, crucify him. But it's also exactly what God wants. Because his ways are higher than ours. His word will not come back void. Like this is the same Jesus who on the cross says, God forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He also weeps over this city. As he's going into Jerusalem and they're like, yes, the Messiah is here. This is great, this is great for us. He's hanging out with Lazarus who we raised from the dead. This is good stuff. And Jesus weeps over the city because he understands the confusion that they're in. They will so soon say, crucify him. Sometimes we follow Jesus like we do that, that fad diet. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys are serious about dieting, and you're going to do it all the time. Some of you guys, man, one day... You're like, I am a vegan, like to the core, right? And I've got, yeah, props to you. I couldn't be one, okay? But I have friends that one day they're a vegan, or they're doing the whole third, or they're doing whatever, and they're like, I am sold out. And then the next day, they own stock in, like some, in the beef industry, right? Sometimes that's how we, like we are, we are such, and in the United States, we struggle with this. Like we're fans. Like when I was little, I loved lemon meringue pie. Loved it. By the time I was a teenager, I loathed it. Right? Where was my affection? I used to love Burger King. You'd hear, you'd hear sermons about Whoppers with cheese because they were delicious. And now I think Burger King is gross. And I won't go to a Burger King. If we're not careful and we don't understand the holy God, and we just look at the Pharisees and go, what fools? In the United States, we kind of do the same thing. In the last two years, but even the last 10 years in the United States, it is harder to be a Christian, and that is good for Christians. Because God didn't call us to just be these fans that say, Hosanna, save us now because you're doing everything I want you to do, and then crucify him. Right? That's what he, that's what he came to die for, so that we wouldn't be like that any longer. And in the West and in the United States, it's kind of like that. So we look at Jesus as he's coming in and the palm branches and all the honor. But soon these people, because of the religious spirit, will soon say, crucify him. I want us to look at that in Matthew 27, verses 15 through 26. 
we just want to sit here for a second and let you read this. And Good Friday will be even more intense as we really look at the crucifixion of Christ. For the crucifixion is a big deal as well as the resurrection. And we're supposed to just stop in our tracks. Matthew 27, verse 15. Now it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one of you, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. And while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him a message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ, Pilate asked. They answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But then they shouted out louder, crucify him. And when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting. He took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. And he said, I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. And all the people answered, let his blood be on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Now, this is beautiful when it's also tragic. From Hosanna, he's the greatest to now crucify him. And he's not crucified in sentence by the Romans. It's actually by God's people. We need to take that in. It's why Jesus weeps over the city. It is tragic, and yes, it is beautiful. One deserved death. The other was completely, 100% innocent. The innocent took the place of the guilty. And what's beautiful about this is the Lord is giving us the gospel through an actual event. And so what we're supposed to look at this, and if you're the first time reading this gospel, and again, think about you're reading this. It's probably dangerous to read this New Testament, this account of Jesus. Some of the same people are alive today. As you're reading this for the first time 2,000 years ago, the Pharisees who are kind of seen as, as the, obviously the bad guys. But then as you're looking at this, you start to realize if Jesus is who he says he is and he died on the cross and they knew that he had and that he had rose again, which there was testimony after testimony that he had, and they're looking at this, they're also looking at Barabbas. And Jesus is living out the gospel through an actual event. That's how beautiful. And if you, if you, if you just go past this without realizing how sacred it is, this actually happened. I believe that it actually happened. And God is giving a message through this sequence. Right? God never stops giving us his plan. He, he's, God isn't quiet about things. Right? We always say, where, God, where are you? Where are you? Man, he's, 
He's everywhere. If we would just stop and we would see. And we look at the gospel. And we look at Barabbas. See, it's important to believe that there's a creator of this world. Right? Some, like, we go from that atheist mindset. The atheist is like, you know, we're just here because we're here by chance. When someone goes from an atheist to like, okay, there has to be a creator. When you look at the earth, the third rock from the sun, you look at if we were too, if we were too close to the sun, we'd burn up. If we were any further away, we would die because we'd freeze. We've got the earth's tilt. We've got the moon. We've got the exact amount of oxygen and nitrogen and carbon dioxide. Like everything is like a perfect dial that would show us how hard it is to have life on earth, but yet it's here in an abundance. And so even a scientist would look to say, there has to be something that made all this. In fact, to believe in the supernatural is to find someone that says, I think we were just here by chance. Well, a lot of things had to happen for all this to perfectly happen. So the first thing is we look at just what someone would go through. Do you believe that we're here by chance or that there's something greater? There's something that, that, that got us here or created us. Number two, the, the, the question is, well, then who is that creator? Well, as believers of God, of Jesus, we believe that God has revealed himself through his word and his spirit, and his name is Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So first you believe there is a God, and then you believe you can actually know this God. It's why the word of God is so important. God is not quiet about who he is from the beginning of time. He said, guys, I'm here. I'm here. You can even look at nature and realize there has to be a creator. And we believe his name is Jesus. Number three, you would have to believe that this creator who created things so perfectly that if one thing was off, there would be no life on earth. That this creator would also say there's a right and that there's a wrong. We call this righteousness or sin. Righteousness is how God made it to be. Sin is missing the mark. And it would make sense that this God who cared so much that he put billions of us here on this earth even now and not one of us are the same. There is only you out of all the billions. That he puts you on this earth with a tilt, with a moon, with all these things to create life on purpose. That he would also say that there's a right and there's a wrong. And then you would have to ask yourself, have I sinned against this creator. And this is where we get Barabbas. And I meet people all the time. They're like, ah, you know what? I haven't sinned. I haven't done anything wrong. Or if you ask them, like, do you think the creator of this world actually cares how you live? They say, you know what? He'll probably just understand. This creator who's so intentional about this world is so unintentional about how you live. It doesn't make sense. So we look at Barabbas. He is pardoned. Jesus takes his place. And that comes us to the fourth thing that all of us come to to know Jesus. Is how do I make it right? Right? It's the question that should keep us up at night. At some point, I'm going to meet this creator. And some are just going to bank on the fact that, you know, I'm just going to do the best I can. Some are going to say, ah, I just don't think it matters. I think he's just going to love me anyways. But for us to come to that fourth, we say, how do I make it right? And that's why the Holy Spirit is convincing you and speaking to you. Like the Holy Spirit goes throughout all the world. It's like 
one of the things that, that, that in the criminal justice that, we like, that, that will just like scare us is a psychopath. Someone that has no understanding of right and wrong. Right? A psychopath is someone that literally like they could do terrible things to people and like I didn't feel a thing. And what, what scares us is like, like, do they understand like right and wrong and that the Holy Spirit, like it's important that we would feel that we would feel that right and wrong. It's in us. It's, it's in children. Right? When they're little, they understand there's this shame that they have. Because Why? Because they, they sinned. And then you come to that fourth thing, how do I make it right? And then this is the beauty of the gospel. You can't. Only God can do that. And he did it when he sent Jesus to pay the price that you can't pay. So God, he gets the last word. He hands himself over to them. The Romans can't find anything wrong with him. And the same people that go from Hosanna say crucify him. Why? Because God needs it to happen for their benefit. For they need saving. So you can't pay that price. Only Christ can. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. And at this time, this week, they're all gathering. Prophecy is true, and actually the Messiah should show up around this time. And here's Jesus. People are doing the spiritual math. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. This is also the Passover week. Raise your hand if you know what the Passover week is. Right? And this is from the book of Exodus, where God takes his people out of the bondage of Egypt. So in, so in Egypt, God's people are in bondage, they're in slavery. God hears the cries of his people. He comes to deliver them, and he puts judgment on Egypt. And what he, what he says is he's going to take the firstborn of every household. And for the Jews, what they are supposed to do, God's people, is they take a blood of the lamb, they sacrifice a lamb, and they put the blood over the door. And God's judgment will pass by. Again, we see another time where God is saying, let me show you the gospel before you see the gospel. And God's people at this time, Israel, the Jews, they're like, everything, they're preparing the Passover to remember they're going to be sacrificing lambs to remember what God did. In fact, God's instruction was says, tell generation after generation what I did here. And why? Because there would be a time in history when the real lamb would come to be sacrificed and some were still blind to it. Like if you don't believe in spiritual blindness, like look into your own life. Like just like, it's like, let's really, God have mercy on us. Like wake up our spiritual eyes. So this is exactly what's happening here. And Jesus gives himself to be sacrificed. We see this in the garden in Matthew 26, verse 55 to 56. And this is when Jesus is in the garden. He's pr praying with his disciples because he knows the hour has come. He knows that Judas has betrayed him. He knew that it needed to happen. He actually wanted it to happen. Jesus wanted it to happen because God wanted it to happen. And in the garden, we see this. It says, at the time, Jesus said to the crowd, and he said, the soldiers are coming to him. Am I leading a rebellion that you have to come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. 
Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. And that also fulfilled scripture too. Jesus was given as a sacrifice, freely given by the love of God, to pay a price that we could not pay. See, a holy God must respond to sin, but a loving God also shows mercy. And so behind me is this cross, and we keep it here to always be reminded as believers. See, in the world of Jesus, this was an execution chamber. It was prophesied by God in the Old Testament hundreds of years before it came up into the mind of Roman people. Of this way that if you hung someone up in a certain way, that it would slowly kill them. God has a specific time and a specific way. And what men use to hurt people, God said, I'm going to actually use to bring redemption to the world. See, a holy God must respond to sin. But holy God also must show mercy, which is where you get God's mercy and his judgment on full display. And when we look at the, like coming on Good Friday, we look at this, it's supposed to stop us. A quote from um, a once uh, a Christian worship leader that is no longer following God, I don't want to put his name up, but I do want to put his quote. This is what he would say about the crucifixion. He said that God needed to be appeased with blood is not beautiful, it's horrific. And I want to stop right there. I didn't put his name because it wasn't time to put someone else down or make fun of someone that's struggling with faith. This was written from someone a couple years ago that was a huge worship leader and now is just struggling. Kind of like we all do, that fan, like, God, you are Hosanna, my bank account is good, life is good, and then some trouble hits. Boom, 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 boom. Everything the Bible says will happen. And then you're like, well, maybe this God isn't good. And then you start to look at the cross, you say, the, the God that needed to be appeased with blood is not beautiful, it's horrific. That's also why we call it the Good Friday. It is beautiful, and yes, it is horrific, but it's beautiful. This was a serious deal that the lamb would be slain for our benefit. I have another quote from a theologian a Croatian theologian, and this is kind of long, so read with me. And this is the other side of the fact of kind of like seeing God's judgment and what a loving God would respond to. He says this, I used to think that the wrath was unworthy of God. Isn't God love? Shouldn't divine love be on wrath? God is love, and God loves every person and every creature. That's exactly why God is wrathful against some of them. My last resistance to the idea of God's wrath was a casualty of war in my former Yugoslavia, the region from which I come. According to some estimates, 200,000 people were killed and over 3 million were displaced. My villages and cities were destroyed. My people shelled day in and day out. Some of them brutalized beyond imagination. And I could not imagine a God not being angry. So this, like God's mercy is really important when you need it. Or someone when you love needs it. You ever had someone you love go to prison? Or be sentenced? Right? There's, all of a sudden, like, oh, parents have mercy. Oh, judge have mercy. But what about when someone you love has been wronged and hurt? All of a sudden, you're like, won't someone do something? The same people that say, how could a loving God write the Old Testament are the same 
people and same spirit to say there's no redemption or grace. A loving God would make a statement about the evil in the world, and he does. But if he makes a statement about all the things that we say are gross and terrible, then he can't just stop there. He can't go, well, well you know, that's kind of bad. Oh, that's really, really bad. Because he's a righteous God. He's not like us. He says, if that's bad, then that's bad too. So a righteous, loving God would have to send judgment, right? It's like parents out here. It's why we protect our, You mess with our kids, especially you mama bears out there. Mess with your kids and watch what they do, right? A loving parent would do something. And so our God did. He sent his judgment, but he also sent his grace. And the only thing that could pay for the judgment was the blood of Christ, so that we could be free, that we'd be forgiven. That is the gospel. And it's beautiful. Billy Graham, greatest evangelist of our time, wrote this. God proved his love on the cross when Christ hung and bled and died. It was God saying to the world, I love you. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And we're supposed to this week stop on our tracks. We're supposed to this week, like not just casually, like, yeah, Jesus died on a cross and then he rose again. Like, it's, it's, we're supposed to stop. And we believe every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. We believe every day is Resurrection Day, right? We live in this beautiful but tragic world where all have fallen short. And if you're honest with yourself, you come to that point that realize there is a holy God and I will have to give account. And we believe that God has sent a message to his word. All of the Bible points to the gospel. All of the Bible points to this moment, this week that we celebrate. But Jesus says, I've heard the cry of my people. You are not desolate forever. There is a way back. For Jesus paid the price. And he says, all you must do is believe. Believe that there is a God. His name is Jesus. You are a sinner who needs forgiving. And when you believe that he died on the cross for you and that he rose again for you because he is so good, the Bible says that you are promised eternal life. And then it leads us with the last point this morning. When I was first saved and started following Jesus, there were two passages that I first memorized as our pastors were like, like getting us people that were new in the Lord to start just knowing the Word of God. And the first was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And man, I praise God that a pastor a long time ago when I was in middle school said, man, write this on your heart. Right? Because new believers out there, things get confusing as the Bible promises it will. Things get hard as the Bible promises. And I thank God that I always had that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Like that I said, oh, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. Stop leaning on my own understandings and just keep worshiping God, and he's going to lead the way. And praise God that is true, and I believe for all believers. The other passage that I first memorized, and it was actually in song, for your benefit I will not sing to you. But it's Galatians 2.20. And this is the anthem of all believers. And this is really what takes us from just being like, I'm kind of a fan of Jesus, right? Because sin, it's not fun. It's terrible. And so what we do is like, I just don't want all this yuckiness and this hurt and like whatever will take it off. And Jesus takes it off and then we go, yeah, but I'm going to come back over here. 
Because we don't take Galatians 2.20. If we can, please put that back. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. That was important, just like in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, as a young believer that I would write this on my heart. For you've been crucified with Christ too. All your sin, all your shame, your terrible future. Some of us are sitting here today and going like, what is this next life going to look like? Like we talked about this last week of just living in such fear. I mean, we need to nail that to the cross too. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You just continue to put it at the cross. All your sin, all your shame, all your doubt. And we spend time with Jesus and his word and his spirit. They change us. A couple questions as we close. And we just prepare for this week. The first one Are you reading and meditating on God's letter to you, the Bible? Even the parts you don't understand, just keep reading it, meditating on it. If we believe it's active, what is God saying when it's active there? It means the Holy Spirit's working through that passage. He's a living God, not a dead God. If you just read it as as just a history book, and without the living Spirit of God, you're not going to read it the same I mean, as a pastor, I come to many passages where I say, I don't get it. And I say, Holy Spirit, illuminate this to me. If, you don't, if you're not a believer, that sounds crazy. If you are a believer, it should sound biblical. But are you reading it? Are you meditating on that? Number two, have you accepted God's forgiveness for your sins? He's some, especially in the West, like we know who God is. And we even know his word, like we know about him. But we know him in such a way that we believe his word. Say, man, I need to nail this at the cross. For some of us, maybe we're walking in addictions, we're watch, walking in junk, and we're not using the access to the cross. I mean, I can be forgiven. I can forgive others. I can be set free. I don't have to live in this. I mean, some of us, we live in such a way that we're, we're haunted by our past. And Jesus said, man, I nailed that to the cross. The same people that Jesus he wept over that he said, Father, forgive them. He does that to us too. As a believer, the access of Jesus and his forgiveness is beautiful. And then the last is, are you following Jesus? Like being discipled by the good shepherd. If you guys can stand, we're going to close in prayer. In the back, there's communion, and we encourage you to take it. We take the elements, and this is a biblical um, response, that when believers would come together, they would break the bread and remind us what Jesus did on the cross, that we would drink the juice, the wine, to be reminded of the blood that was shed for us, like a constant reminder as we break bread, give thanks of the gospel. There are also people in the back that would love to just pray with you and pray for you. Let us pray. Uh, Father, Lord God, we love you. And we praise you. God, I thank you for the people of God. God, that your word will not come back void over us. We just continue to trust in you.
And so one thing you ask for us is that we would trust your word, that we would believe, that we would have faith, that we would lay it all back onto you and let you do your work in us. God, all of our doubts, our questions, they're not foreign to you and they don't scare you. Your disciples ask them and ask them often. Father, would we cry out to a holy God today, knowing that you're here. God, I pray for those that might be here that have heard the word of God, but have they responded to the word of God? To know there is a creator and to know his name is Jesus, but to not be forgiven by the good news of the gospel would be so tragic. Today, would we ask more questions that would lead us to Jesus and his good news? Father, and with those of the saints that have said, yes, I am crucified with Christ, I no longer live. Would we follow you and watch all the good things that you will do? For your promises are true forever and ever. Amen.